We normally know the people that we are going to eat a meal with. We sit down at a table with family or long-established friends. But last Saturday night, I ate dinner with a group of strangers and there wasn't a table. And I had to eat standing up because there wasn't a chair either. I had that afternoon attended a training session on safeguarding, uh, safeguarding young people uh, related to the part of my sabbatical, which is coming this summer, when I will be in France on a guide and scout camp. My chef for the evening was a young brownie leader who claimed to be a teacher, but she looked as if she was old enough that she should still be at school. She certainly wasn't the the age of the brown owl when my sister was a brownie. And I'm, you know, even though Faith is away camping with brownies this weekend, their leaders are, you know, still a reasonable age still. But this one looked definitely too young. The meal was corn and chickpeas and butter beans and tinned tomatoes and a chilli and some leafy spinach all cooked in one big belly on a fire. It wasn't something you would expect to see on MasterChef. And there was lots of head scratching in the process as they opened the tins and so on. There were 12 of us around the fire and the others were camping. But I was coming back to Lindfield because, of course, I was preaching on the Sunday morning. And part of me wanted to say to the young people, it's all right, you just share this. I'm going now. But actually, I tasted it, and I discovered it wasn't that bad. And although I didn't lick my plate clean, I did mop up some of the sauce with a bit of baguette I'd been given. It made it a lot easier to wash the plate and put it back in my bag if I'd... Peter, in telling his story, speaks to a questioning, doubting audience. What's all this about unclean food? Food that you wouldn't normally eat? What's this? You've been spending time with Gentiles? What? You've engaged in their hospitality. You stayed with them for about three days. You baptised a Gentile. It just keeps getting worse, doesn't it? (laughs) 
but Peter gives testimony. We've heard about these things already. If you'd turned the page, you would have seen in Acts 10, the account of these things happening is already written down. But it appears again as Peter gives testimony because he wants the people to hear. It's not a case of being dragged before the church meeting, pulled up in front of the elders, being disciplined. Although it might have that appearance, Peter goes willingly because he wants to tell the story. Because it's a story that has to be told. Because what happened in Caesarea changes things. It changes the church considerably. In a couple of weeks' time, three weeks maybe, I'm not quite sure in my counting here, um, on the 15th of May, we'll come a Pentecost. And we'll remember about the Spirit being given to the church. How the Holy Spirit can come and equip. But this event in Caesarea is even more challenging, even more astounding, because it is the Holy Spirit coming and changing the composition of that gathering of believers. It takes what could have been perceived as a Jewish sect and turns it into something new, a body of believers from every background. It's a much smaller number than on the day of Pentecost, and we don't have thousands out in the street. But this is an important step in the life of the church. What's surprising, though, perhaps, is that Peter and the early church were not more equipped for this to happen. They were not prepared. The story kind of begins in Joppa, doesn't it? Joppa is where we were remembering Tabitha raised from the dead. And Peter, in a vision, looks at the food and questions. Eat it? No, I won't. He declares it unclean. Yet if you were to turn to Mark chapter 7, you will see that Jesus asked, Are you so dull? Don't you see nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared, all foods clean. So by the time of the cross, let alone the resurrection or Pentecost, 
foods had already been declared clean. And so the sheet that came down was full of clean food, not unclean. The vision of the sheet, of course, was not exclusively about food, but concerns a wider topic about anything that might be considered unclean. The voice from heaven in Acts 11 verse 9 says, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Now that doesn't just mean the different types of food. It's anything that God has made clean is clean. And so, this concept of the sheet coming down and it being shown there is maybe a bit of preparation for what is about to happen. The men who come and invite him to travel to come to a centurion. We will never know whether the vision itself made a significant difference. Would Peter anyway have got up and gone? But there is a sense in this vision coming that... Peter is playing the part of Ananias visiting the converted Saul in Damascus. It's the same story. Something is there, God saying, do this. And the man of God saying, no, I'm not going to. But then the journey being made. Cornelius, likewise, is playing the part of Saul. He is a powerful Roman officer and a believer in God the Creator, but not a follower of Jesus. So he would be someone who would mistrust the disciples and perhaps seek their arrest in the way that Saul had been doing. Yet he receives a vision from the Lord, which leads him to seek the right path and requires the visit from Peter, sending for him to come from Joppa. As in that story of the conversion of Saul, where God worked on Saul on the road to Damascus, the one that needed saving, and God works on Ananias, who was already a believer. Here we see the Lord working on Cornelius and on Peter. God works on the heart of the follower of Jesus and on the one that the message is to be preached to. And it's when 
these things come together, that things happen. On the little bookmarks we have encouraging us to pray for Alpha, we pray for those that are on the Alpha course, but we also pray for those like David and Jackie who are leading the Alpha course, those that are on the team, those that are helping. We pray for both sides and that both sides may come together. It's when the good news of Jesus is spoken and accepted that the conversion happens. Before meeting Peter, Cornelius had known God. He'd prayed, he'd done many kind works. He sounds a good man. But he had not been saved. We will know many good people. Many good people who are not Christians. Oh, but they do great things for their family. They do wonderful things for their friends and their neighbors. They raise lots of money for charity. This morning, thousands are running a great distance. They'll raise many millions of pounds. But being good and doing works does not bring salvation from sin. Jesus died on the cross for our sins to be redeemed. But each individual must recognize the opportunity of that salvation for them. For them to experience forgiveness and the gift of eternal life that is there ready waiting. The individual has to say, yes, that's for me. Peter shared the gospel with Cornelius, and a new life was given. And the words Peter uses to describe what happened at that time in Caesarea are significant. The Holy Spirit came on them. It's not just Cornelius, it's the household. The Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Peter, who had been there on the day of Pentecost, who had spoken in tongues, who was equipped to testify before a crowd of thousands, recognizes what happens in the home of Cornelius as being the same as what happened in their prayer room in Jerusalem. It's not similar, it's the same. The Holy Spirit makes no differentiation as to Jew or Gentile. It does not matter where the location is. It does not matter if it is male or female, or what the race is, or the color of skin, where we were born. What matters is that an individual confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord of their life. And then the Spirit will enter and dwell in their hearts. Whoever they are, the Spirit will bind them as one with other believers and place a seal upon them that marks their adoption into the Holy Family. 
Whoever they are, the Spirit may furnish them with a gift or gifts that they can use for the future building up of the church. The Spirit may empower them to grow God's kingdom further. May we not be afraid of who others are or what their differences are, but gladly welcome all who repent and confess that Jesus is Lord. For they are our brothers and sisters in him. Likewise, may we realize that there are many we know who do not share at the table of the Lord. And may our loving God be working on their hearts right now and working on our hearts too that we may go to them and share our hope for Jesus died for all. In his name. Amen.